Welcome to episode four of the Blockbusters podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Paul. Today is October 12th, 2012, and today we are going to be discussing our favorite Mel Brooks films. And Paul, why don't uh, we go ahead and start with yours? All right. Well, mine is, for most people, might think a little bit of an odd one for favorite, Young Frankenstein. (laughs) I will say off the bat, I picked this mainly because I think it's the best all-round film, the one that I could watch again and again, and the jokes haven't sort of diminished because I've already heard them, and it's got the real plot to drive it through. Not saying that the other films don't no, have No, no, no. <laughs> but yeah. most of the other films, I would say, very much joke-driven, scene-driven, and then yes. the plot is weaved around <laughs> it. But going into just the basics of it, really, it is an hour and 45 minutes long, which is a little bit longer than I remembered it being, but uh, that's the runtime. Yeah, um, a little bit long, yeah, for a comedy, especially yeah. Mel Brooks film. But. Yeah. Uh, Gene Wilder as Frederick Frankenstein. <laughs> The, uh, Correct pronunciation. Yep, the, the point of annoyance by him during <laughs> the beginning of the film. Cloris Leachman, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I believe you nailed that. Frau Blucher. <laughs> 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 Which, uh, apparently, Blucher is supposed to be the German translation of glue. <laughs> However, I found out that it's the incorrect translation of glue. So the horses are stupid. Yes. <laughs> the horses are hard of hearing. The late, great Marty Feldman as uh, Igor. Igor. <laughs> Igor, sorry. <laughs> I must have been wrong. <laughs> Terry Gar as Inga, the assistant, and Madeline Kahn as Frederick's fiance Elizabeth, a very high strung. Not the fiance. hair. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. You might be listening to quite a few this, quotes. This will be quite heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, again, the late Peter Boyle as oh, yeah. the monster. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, very good monster. And a, uh, a lovely cameo from uh, the wonderful Gene Hackman. <laughs> yes, Gene Hackman. Oscar winner, yes. Gene Hackman. As the, the sad old blind man. <laughs> but we'll get to that. All right, well, um, the very basic plot of this film takes us to Transylvania, and you see that the Baron von Frankenstein has died, and doesn't want to let go of his will. <laughs> Won't let go of that sucker. After which, you see Dean Wilder as Frederick Frankenstein, a brilliant surgeon. Yes. And you also get to hear the pronunciation several times this. as he likes to correct yeah. this one student. And see the source of his frustration yeah. in uh, his lecture. Yeah, you get to see that he sees his grandfather being the Frankenstein of the books as a complete... Kook, as he says, <laughs> does not want to be associated with the man whatsoever and sees his scientific experiments as a complete waste of time and ramblings of a lunatic. Yes, dead is dead, or yes. whatever he says. Yes, it's a very good speech, actually, by Gene <laughs> Wilder. And then, yes, I love him getting riled up by the student. And you also get to see, as a result of that, the staple of the film, very much a physical comedy thing as well, ending with him stabbing himself with the scalpel. (laughs) (laughs) And then slowly crossing his leg. Class dismissed. (laughs) So he is then told of his great-grandfather having died, and then ends up going to Transylvania, because he now apparently owns the grounds (laughs) of Frankenstein Castle. Yeah, might as well check out the digs. As of this point, the sets, I would say, haven't been fantastic. Train ride is very obvious, train on a stage of rattling or whatever. But when you actually get down to Transylvania, the sets suddenly get a lot bigger and a lot more intricate. For instance, give me head a little bit when they actually get into the castle. Oh, yeah. The sets in the castle are just fantastic. Yeah. Before that, there are a lot of uh, wonderful matte paintings of yeah. just the you know, of the castle itself. Well, obviously, over the, the opening credits, you yeah. see oh, zooming in on the castle. In. Yeah. yeah, which I actually didn't fully realize until watching it again recently that. I think what they were going for was the light is on and then the light goes out and then it cuts to the dead Baron von Frankenstein. Like I think maybe that's them sort of being like, yeah, the light's out, he's dead now. <laughs> and getting to, uh, I don't know. Maybe, probably reading too much into that, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Brooks is a very deep man. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> This is not actually a slant on Mel Brooks. We love the guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, just a slight dig, you know. 
So yes, at the train station we are introduced to Igor using the wonderful uh, bit of dialogue, I thought, where they meet and once again you get the Dr. Frankenstein, Frankenstein. <laughs> like, you have me on. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. No, it's But also Frederick. Yes. And so, of course, it's the, uh, you must be Igor. No, it's Igor. <laughs> they told me Igor. Well, they were wrong, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> totally just being a pain in the ass. I uh, love it. I love the um, the callback to that as well later when it, they're going down, again, skipping ahead. They're going down into the laboratory and you see the skulls and it's two years dead, six months dead, freshly dead, and the freshly dead is... <laughs> it's Igor going, I ain't got no body. <laughs> Igor, Froderick. <laughs> and he doesn't even bother to correct him at this point. He's just going with it. So yes, plenty of good humour from Igor. Played by he, the wonderful Marty yeah, Feldman. He, yeah, he's one of those that makes the film for me. Yeah, it's a fantastic cat. Not a, a wrong beat with him as well. Like, I, like Obviously, there are some people you can have brilliant roles in him. Maybe just at one point it'll be okay. He didn't add much to the scene. Every time he was in the scene, he was he's adding always improving something. It, yeah. yeah. Even if it's just the little things, like there's even one point where he's talking to Frederick and then they have a little bit of an argument and he ends up just sort of rubbing his chin on his shoulder. <laughs> it's like, there's no need for that. And yet he did it anyway. It's just Why a not? fantastic little bit of extra acting there. <laughs> but yeah, I always thought that despite the sort of length of the film and the fact that it's a lot slower paced, because at this point I think you're only... 15 minutes in and you've only just been introduced to two of the characters that you're going to see for the rest of the film. Yeah. Just about to be introduced to a third. <laughs> but it's much slower pace than most of the other films and yet the plot is really getting you in because like, you know this is the grandson of the Frankenstein. He's going to Transylvania and you know that something's going to end up happening here and you're starting to really get a feel for the characters even though you've not necessarily seen much of their background. And yet, I think it's just a brilliantly plot-fueled film. Yeah, it's done very straight up as a horror-thriller film. It isn't, like you said, a joke at every turn. It's done legitimately as a send-off of those those films. films. Well, the the late, great Leslie Nielsen actually once said that the best way to play comedy is completely straight. Because yeah. that's where you get someone like his character in Airplane. Everything's going to hell like the other characters are going. And he is just dead straight. He is a doctor. He is mm-hmm. just doing anything. Yeah. And like, you know, not playing it for laughs, just playing it. Yeah, and you can go too far with silly. Yeah. With, uh, yeah, buffoonery. Which I'm sure we'll get to eventually. Uh, <laughs> yes, slightly covered in my pick. <laughs> but yes, so moving back. <laughs> so, to move back. Yeah. We are then introduced to Inga, who is to be the assistant, who is introduced with the line, Hello, would you like to have a roll in the hay? <laughs> roll, <laughs> roll, 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 roll in the, the hay. hay. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, classic introduction. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. when, when the character is introduced with an innocent <laughs> line, I think you see where this might be heading. Yes. Of course, the one character that I mentioned at the beginning but I haven't talked about at all, Frederick's fiance Elizabeth, as I said, very mm. highly strung. They're trying to say goodbye at the train station, despite the fact that she will not let him touch her. No. <laughs> because but, first the hair, because the hair has been but, done, she's going to a party. So. What's the hair for? Oh, he kisses her on the cheek because he, he didn't, she didn't want her lipstick to be yeah. smeared. And then, and then touches the he hair. touches the hair. And then, of course, uh, hugging Arthur <laughs> and uh, so she goes, Taffeta, <laughs> uh, Taffeta, darling? No, the coat is Taffeta. <laughs> it wrinkles her so hand easily. and yeah. weren't her nails just yeah, the nails manicured just, um, or something? So, yes. of course, bumping elbows. is <laughs> 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 their solution. <laughs> and then I think a brilliant also uh, slight on those films where they have the goodbye at the train station and the smoke's all going. You see the goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's the last we see of her. Is, yeah. is it not? For, for quite for, a while. For quite a while, yeah. Yeah, she. I think she doesn't Played come by, in until did you about. Uh, yes, Madeline. Okay, Carlin, okay. Who again might be popping up later? Yes, yeah, uh, so uh, as a fairly familiar face in the Mel Brooks. Yeah, Mel Brooks kind of. likes to use Madeline Kahn. Not as much as Gene Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So then they're on their way to Frankenstein Castle. You get more of the types of jokes you'll be seeing. They're sort of werewolf, their wolf, their castle. <laughs> 
Fantastically Brilliant. delivered by Marty Feldman as well. And then you get to see the slight silliness as well with the sort of, why are you talking like that? I thought you wanted to. <laughs> no, no, no. Huh? Please yourself. <laughs> and so oh, they... Oh, Marty. <laughs> oh, I love you. So they arrive and are met by Frau Blucher, insert horse neighing here, mm-hmm. which we won't be bothering to try and do because it's <laughs> just going to host. And so she is the rather stern house sitter. I mean, she she had a bit more of a past than that, but as of right <laughs> now, she's a house sitter. And I sort of got the vibe of, of course, it, it wasn't out then, of course, but like remembering it, it's the same sort of character look and feel as the head nurse in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like nice yeah. Very sort of calm and collected and doesn't let much on. And this is another person who, with the exception of, I think, one scene, she is a very straight-laced person. Uh, you get to see she is trying to do her job and make Frederick feel at home. If it was like, you know, would you like some brandy before you go to bed? No, thanks. Some milk? <laughs> no. no. Oval tea? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Thank thanks. you. <laughs> if you actually watch the film, that particular bit of dialogue takes a good 30 seconds. <laughs> Another example of that And a large part of it is just, you see Gene Wilder's character just sort of staring like, what's going on here? <laughs> like, no, go away. <laughs> Which I will actually say, this film does a very good job of letting you see Frederick's descent into somewhat madness throughout the first half of it. Because he, he knows that his grandfather's library is there, and he just wants to get to it. But, <laughs> There'll be uh, some confusion in yes. getting to it. Because the classic physical comedy of the swinging bookcase. <laughs> Do not. <laughs> yeah. 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 That scene, the introduction of saying the word back as Beck. Beck. <laughs> Put the candle back. <laughs> Talking of candles, of course, the uh, going up the staircase with stay close to the candles. <laughs> the non-lit candles. Yeah, exactly, which I'm not with. Oh, yeah. fantastic. So many of these things I don't think would really can be play treacherous. in <laughs> I mean, like, can you imagine a modern film going with some of these things, like going this slow and being billed as a comedy? It, it was, well, it um, would just now be regarded as a Mel Brooks yeah. It's a, yeah <laughs> we have slightly more sophisticated audiences now, yeah. and as film buffs, we can appreciate those jokes. But and I don't know if a lot of people watch if they would watch those films for the first time. If those, it would be interesting to know if those jokes work for them. Yeah, I, I would question some of them just like i said because they've seen everything yeah you know everything's been done <laughs> yeah I know. but, that's but what that i still thing. have you know a heart for the classics as yeah. do you but i i remember actually first seeing this just uh, get off the plot for a second again i remember first seeing this i wasn't very old i would have been i think 11 or 12 when i first saw this film I can't remember if... I think I saw Blade and Saddles first because it was just on TV. And then I saw Spaceballs. And then I saw this. And even at the time, I remember thinking, like, yeah, okay, it's not necessarily as funny based on non-stop jokes and stuff. But it was really holding me into it. Whereas a lot of the films that were coming out at that time that I went to see weren't even necessarily having my attention that much. (laughs) But there was always something in this film to look at, (laughs) to appreciate. And this film is in black and white. Which yeah. I think was a fairly bold choice, obviously. Given was, the year, 74, yeah. Technicolor <laughs> had been around. Yeah. I mean, obviously they were, it's part of the slight parodying yeah, of the old Frankenstein film, but still yeah, it's to essentially come out access the character, white. the black and white, it really yeah. helps pull you into that world. But still, given a black and white film coming out in 1974, would have been a huge risk, and it still, I think it paid off, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't believe it did badly. Uh, yeah, I don't know about theatrically, but I'm sure he sold a few DVDs here and there over Oh, yes, the years. probably. <laughs> so, yes, Frederick ends up finding the laboratory and reads from his grandfather's journal and basically figures out, hang on, he had something here. And the bit where you see him not snap, as it were, but you see him topple off the edge, the uh, hair's all messed up. And just yelling, it could work. <laughs> and then you see him 
basically going about how to do this. So the idea is you find someone of gigantic size with a very large swan stricker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Woof, as they say. <laughs> so, of course, they end up finding such a body, having been hanged, I believe, that night. Yeah. Yes, a very good stroke of luck for them there. <laughs> uh, and so they dig them up with the, the classic line, like, you know, could be worse. Why? Could be raining. <laughs> Never been done before. Never done no. at all. <laughs> Still the club. <it>. Yeah. <laughs> and then transporting the body back, the thing crashes, so they have to put him back onto their cart with the arm sticking out when, of course, he meets the policeman. So, using the dead man's arm as your own. <laughs> yep, sir, thank you. <laughs> Giving the handshake. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, Cold to the bone. And so... Basically, that scene was a way of introducing Frederick to one of the policemen because a scene after the scene after that one is all of the town people gathering around in a locale to just say, like, you know, he's a Frankenstein, they're all alive, this is all going to happen, and the head the people. Oh. Um, oh. Right, yeah, the inspector. <laughs> the inspector does turn up. But okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, uh, jumping ahead. Yeah, that's fine. We do that sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. The the head councilmen are saying, like, you know, this man does not seem like that at all. <laughs> Which, of course, at no point in the film, except for that one policeman meeting him for about a minute, has anyone else seen Frankenstein anywhere. So, <laughs> a very nice sort of play on the old sort of, oh, this isn't my arm, but we've got to pretend it is. <laughs> and getting the whole, like, how do we get him to meet these people out of the way? And then, after that little bit, you see the head inspector, Inspector Kemp, who has the wooden arm that uh, occasionally lets him down. (laughs) (laughs) It's a podcast that we are miming the inspector right now. Anytime you hear a little bit of silent with a little bit of a sound effect, just imagine (laughs) us moving our arms. Yes, and possibly getting stuck. (laughs) (laughs) And he, of course, says that nobody wants a riot, so you have to confirm the effect that he is following his grandfather's footsteps. What? what? <laughs> oh, look at it. Footsteps, footsteps. Oh, footsteps. <laughs> the so classically rural person that not even his own town people can understand him half <laughs> the time. So you see Igor going to get the brain of the wonderful scientist Hans Delbruck and breaks Which into point, nothing the, can go wrong. Yeah, nothing can go wrong here. <laughs> breaks into the brain depository. <laughs> and uh, that's what I need. I need a brain depository. Yes. That's, but, and of course, if, if they're not open, you just let the brain through the slot in the door. <laughs> Very convenient. <laughs> oh, yes. So he goes in and steals the brain, and then Thunder catches a look at himself. <laughs> oh no! Smash! <laughs> so of course, he, uh, he takes the brain marked abnormal, which of course, you know, anyone would. I think if you'd Especially. lost one brain, <laughs> just go with the abnormal. You misunderstand what that AB <laughs> yes. It does come into play in a little bit. <laughs> so, they perform the experiments as it's written down, doing another great thing where it basically completely defeats the laws of physics and time, and yet it's just a great little thing they do where they have Igor standing up at the very top, fixing the kite. And it's like, yeah, there's a slight possibility of electrocution. Do you hear me? And then he's right next to him going, yeah, I hear you. Why are you shouting? (laughs) (laughs) Is that okay? Of course. Okay. (laughs) Uh And so they perform the experiment and then nothing. Like, complete waste of time. And they take this defeat with utter humility and grace. By beating up the corpse. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I had nearly forgotten and then you find out, actually, the next morning, it did work. Just took a little while longer. And so they go down, and the guy's sort of awake. And then, of course, he unstraps him, gets him up, walking around. You know, the whole, it's working, he's walking. He's... Igor gets out a cigarette, <laughs> takes the match, <laughs> lights it. <laughs> it flies off the handle starts getting but are you saying he what, is he averse to <laughs> slightly something? adverse to 
fire, I think. Really? Yeah. I did not know this about no, uh, Frankenstein's yeah, monsters. Yeah, most of the monsters, <laughs> I think, are fine with fire. It's water they're afraid of. Okay. But this one, it's fire. <laughs> uh, odd enough. Which odd leads to, I think, my absolute favorite scene within a scene as it were like the set dialogue in the whole film and possibly even of any Mel Brooks film like it's uh so quick given the, <laughs> the oh, oh, three syllables yeah <laughs> said right said ah yeah and it's like sounds like give said uh give give him a said I give dear <laughs> like, said I give and then of course he, he sits him down like you yeah, know now just tell me I will not be angry did the brain that we put in there belong to Hans Delbruck? No. <laughs> Whose brain is it? Uh, Abby someone. <laughs> Abby someone. <laughs> Abby someone, yes. Abby normal. <laughs> Abby normal. Yes, I'm pretty sure that was the name. <laughs> Are you telling so me fun. that we put an abnormal brain into a seven <laughs> foot tall, two and a half feet wide, <laughs> And they start strangling him. Quick, give him the <laughs> three syllables, yes. <laughs> and the dog goes. Like that Excellent. whole scene. That, Perfectly played yeah. by Marty Feldman and Gene Wilder. Yeah, and it's, it's just one of those scenes where not much is happening, but everything, the way they're saying the dialogue, the way they're looking at each other, is just fantastic. Just, yeah, two masters of comedy yeah. just <laughs> doing what they do. So then the inspector comes round just to have a look, see if he is indeed following in his grandfather's footsteps and plays an excellent game of darts. <laughs> and then he leaves, but just after that, Frau Blucher is freeing the monster. And during that whole scene, you find out that she was his grandfather's girlfriend. <laughs> Which, anyone paying attention at the beginning it's, of the film yeah, pretty, pretty much figured it out. alluded to quite early on. <laughs> I think that is the one point in the film where it doesn't have the grand <laughs> the rest of the film because it's a big sort of he was my boyfriend thing and it's like well, we know didn't she yeah, she kissed the painting <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah whatever yeah. but anyway so the monster escapes and runs into first a little girl who I believe was called Helga playing outside the father of which played by Mel Brooks the actual only on screen yes. <laughs> live acting that he does apparently he did the voice of the cat being hit by a dart and um, <laughs> and he is the as basis, only he could yeah and he is the basis of the painting for Frederick's grandfather. But, uh, yes, his only on-screen thing. And I actually, when I was re-watching this, I went into this mm. thinking, this is the only film that doesn't have Mel Brooks in it. I thought he wasn't... Yeah, didn't he, make an appearance. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I was watching, I was like, hang on. No, there he is. Okay. <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> so, yes, you get the classic sort of parody of the original thing where the girl is absolutely fine at the end of it, whereas in the original works, of course, the girl does not fare so well. And then as he moves on from there, he comes across a blind man praying for a visitor to while away a few hours, <laughs> played by the wonderful Dean Hackman. Now, uh, <laughs> I think it was a favor. Did you the story? Yes, I, yeah. Because you just don't uh, happen to have Gene Hackman no. in the 70s. He was, yeah, he was really turning them out in the 70s. Yeah, so. and I, I didn't research recently, but I remember looking it up at one point, and it was... Uh, like Gene Hackman told Mel Brooks he wanted to be in the film. Yeah, He knew he wouldn't be able to do a big role because of his other commitments and everything, but yeah. Mel Brooks basically said, okay, I've got this one scene for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yes. so, of course, it's very much a almost a vaudeville act of, I'm blind, you're mute, I'm trying to show you compassion, but I'm pouring the soup in your lap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smashing the uh, glass of alcohol. <laughs> my favourite scene in the film. Yeah. And, of course... Lighting your thumb on fire. <laughs> the one point where you start to think, oh, maybe they're going to get over the monster's fear of fire. <laughs> and they just reinforce it. Uh, yeah, an another great scene where it's just two brilliant actors working off each other. And yeah. you, you start to see that the monster isn't brainless because there's several points where he's excited about what he's about to get and then the look of despair and annoyance <laughs> when he doesn't get it <laughs> just just see the drink where he makes sure he gets the drink and he's about to have some and then he proposes a toast <laughs> and smash <laughs> and just the, the look at the handle the look after oh. so yes I mean, at this point 
even though Frederick is able to get the monster back by playing this one bit of music which is linked to the Frankenstein family uh, somehow yes. <laughs> and, and apparently the monsters that they create I guess I <laughs> but whatever yes. so they get him back but the town is already starting to get a little bit odd about a little it miffed. <laughs> however Frederick is able to talk to the monster after of course the you know do whatever you hear do not let me out of this room and steps in let me out, let me out, what are you doing? <laughs> Couldn't you tell I was joking? <laughs> so he manages to get him sort of under control, as it were, and that's the scene where he says, you know, my name is Frankenstein. He's fully gone by this point. And so, of course, to showcase the monster to the living world, he has him up on stage, they walk forwards, they walk backwards, and then they do a song and dance number, as, as you would. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Sorry about my terrible (laughs) rendition. Oh, I think it was fantastic. (laughs) It was actually my first ever hearing of that song. Was in this film, and I I think I prefer this one for the unintelligible version. Oh yes, but of course. A fire breaks out and the monster gets a little bit. Yeah. So of course he ends up in jail. Of course, Frederick is inconsolable, except Inga decides to step in and say, anything I can do for you whatsoever. Of course, the next thing you know, both of them are being wheeled down from the ceiling, lying in bed, at which point he is informed that his fiance has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing, yeah. of course. And so Elizabeth has turned up and they go out, they, they meet her, the, the classic line of, I go, will you help me with the bags? Certainly, you take the blonde, I'll take the one in the turban. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, they end up talking in the bedroom. Frederick would quite like some sex with uh, his fiance, and his fiance is having none of it. <laughs> Doesn't happen, I'm afraid, sorry. Not on the eve of sorry. our wedding night. <laughs> And, of course, just after that, the monster who has escaped from prison grabs her and takes her off into the woods. And in a bit of an odd scene, <laughs> ends up basically saying that he wants to have sex with her by showing her his swan sugar. And it culminates with her singing an aria from something. <laughs> Very high pitch. So, and at that point she's got... I think it is at that point she's got the streak in her hair. So, basically, Bride of Frankenstein. And it turns into the point where the villagers are now massing and trying to break into the castle. At one point, even using Inspector Kemp as a battering ram. You know, if you had someone with a wooden arm, that's what I'd use as a battering ram. (laughs) Seemed to work. And the villagers actually break into the castle just as they're performing a procedure which is supposed to help the monster's brain by transferring a little bit from Frederick to the monster so that the monster can be intelligent and can actually talk and won't be a problem to the villagers. But of course the villagers break in and stop the procedure seven seconds before... (laughs) Well, okay, technically I think three seconds, but but the line is just another seven seconds smash. (laughs) Between three and seven seconds. (laughs) And just as they're about to take Frankenstein away and probably dispose of him, I would imagine the monster is able to give a plea based on the fact that this transfer has apparently worked. And he gives this speech saying, like, you know, all of you hated me, and yet this one man who created me, who was trying to make me into a better person. He was giving some of himself in. I, I never meant anything to happen to anyone. And I actually found out the speech that he gives is almost exactly the speech he gives in the original novels, which no. actually makes this version of Frankenstein one of the most faithful out of the entire, <laughs> out of the entire set of Frankenstein <laughs> films. This is one of the most faithful, which I I think shows Mel Brooks when he does, when he spoofs stuff, he's just able to take something that he likes and he can run with it and make it funny and yet still have a good message in it, not get too far away from the original source material. Of course, it it ends up Frederick is alright at the end of it and the villagers are placated by the monster and they say, okay, we apologise. Inspector Kemp gives him the... Let me be the first to shake your hand in friendship. And at the end of it, you find out that the monster is now with Elizabeth in bed reading the magazine. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and then you see that Frederick is with Inga, who queries, like, you know, you gave some of your brain to the monster. What on earth did the monster give to you? Which culminates in her singing in part of an aria. So you might be able to guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, we're played out with Igor playing the horn on the roof. Yeah, so that's basically 
my favourite Mel Brooks film of all, Young Frankenstein. Not putting down any of the other films or anything, because the other films are very good. <laughs> but that that one, I would say, I could definitely watch again and again, and none of it will have diminished, so I should say. Like, you know, yeah. The jokes I found in some of the others aren't as funny as the first yeah, time, It's a classic film, not just in the world of comedy, but yeah. in the broader world of film. Yeah, it, which... It stands strong. And, and as I've said before, I'm a very visual person, and this film has some really good sets and some really good... If you haven't seen it, I know we've spoiled everything, but still it's (laughs) worth seeing. Oh, yeah, Uh, definitely worth seeing. I mean, (laughs) my synopsis of it doesn't even touch on that film. Yes, (laughs) I mean, yes, we gave a lot of lines away, but Uh, uh, much better than 99% of everything that's coming out now. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, like, Based on our rating system, I would mm-hmm. probably go into it with, I would say, minus 0. I'm going to go with 5. Wow. Not 0. 0.5. Like, <laughs> not, it's not the best film or anything, but it's mm-hmm. a very good film, very good spoof, very very good comedy. Like, you know, it's not, not your typical comedy, but it's a very good comedy. And, oh, and okay. the characters are fantastic, so mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely worth seeing. All right. Well, if I had to uh, offer my rating from zero to minus twenty, I would have to give it. I would say a minus two. Minus two. Minus two. I I can see that. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's a little slow. It's a little long for me. That that was uh, one of the main things I was uh, that that knocked it down for me. It's like you know, it, it did seem a little bit too long. And rating it kind of on the Mel Brooks curve. Okay. That would you know. Uh, yeah. Especially be a since this isn't your two. favorite film, so yeah. <laughs> but I am still a proud owner of a DVD. <laughs> I haven't upgraded to the Blu-ray yet on that one, but... I I was before I moved to (laughs) America, so don't don't judge me there. I lost a large amount of my collection. Oh, yeah, darn regional. But, uh, yes, minus two for me. All right. I think that about sums... That pretty much sums you up. All right, and uh, your film, sir? Well, it was the aforementioned, very briefly, uh, I believe, by uh, Sir Paul... Um, sorry, I'm no. trying out nicknames. No, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's your must. Hurricane, please. Hurricane. All right, sorry, Hurricane. Thank you. Uh, mine. I was talking to Paul earlier, and uh, I kind of had a toss-up between two. Understandably, so. slightly edged out. Uh, Blazing Saddles was the winner. Spaceballs was yeah. my second favorite. Uh, honorable mention uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights fantastic <laughs> yeah. I mean late work and it, it's it's also got I think just to briefly run into it that little scene that I love that kind of makes fun of the people that will randomly sort of burst the song in some film the line Robin talking to Marion is just the night is young and you're so beautiful be flat <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong there is a I don't know if it's intended or not but a slight callback to the Eyes being damned in Young Frankenstein. A little bit, yeah. There's, I've, I haven't seen the film recently, but yeah. a follower or a listener let me know what that line was in yeah. Men I mean, in Tights. There's something about damn your eyes. Yeah, or, in Frankenstein, of course, see, yeah. damn your eyes, too late. <laughs> too late, yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that was intended or not, but yeah, I was just trying to draw a parallel there. So anyway, Blazing Saddles came out in 1974, same year as uh, Young Frankenstein. Frankenstein. And Cleavon Little as Sheriff Bart. Uh, you have Gene Wilder as Jim, a.k.a. the Waco Kid. And but most people call him Jim. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Quick plot of the film. You open up on a railroad scene. Uh, a lot of uh, African-American slaves working on the railroad. Yeah, as they would have been. As the, yes, as they would have been. And uh, uh, the, Yes, period piece, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not but just saying. saying yes. Uh, I think one, one of the... Uh, Comments on the back of the DVD is, you know, uh, 1874, where not, where a sound soundstage of 1974 is only, a, you know, a mile away, or only, yeah. you know, so very close, or something like that. But anyway, yeah, 1874, Old West, working on this railroad, opening scene, they have, okay, yeah, little problems here, and uh, they figure out that the most efficient way is they have to pass through this town. Uh, yeah. To keep this railroad going, to keep the money going, they have to run through this town of Rockridge. And how do you do that? Well, you have to get the people out of the town somehow. Yeah. And so we have Hedley Lamar. Uh, <laughs> that is Hedley. He- not to be confused by Hedy Lamar. Yes. Don't sue us, please. <laughs> From wherever you are. <laughs> uh, played brilliantly by Harvey Corman. And uh, he is a very connected, I forget his exact title, but he's a very connected politician uh, in the know, knows lots of people. Yeah. And his subordinate 
Taggart. Yes. <laughs> Taggart, who was actually running the, the railroad crew yes, earlier. Yes, uh, played by Slim Pickens, the best name ever in show yes. business. <laughs> yeah, I, I do love this guy. I mean, uh, yeah, basically, if you haven't seen the end of Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned Love, what oh, yeah, yeah, Love yeah. the Bomb, has possibly the best death scene ever. Just watch it, yeah. yeah. I, pause, I actually pause, won't, go watch. I actually continue. won't spoil that one for you. Yeah. I, I don't want to we spoil might, that We one. might get to Sellers someday, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> or uh, Kubrick. Or both. Or yeah. both, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do a very strange double podcast <laughs> Yes. So anyway, yes, Taggart's played by Slim Pickens. Uh, so they have this quick little brainstorming session. How do we get him out of town? And a few failed ideas. And then... <laughs> Taggart hits on it. Yeah. We'll give him the old number six. So number six? I'm afraid and, I'm not familiar with that. And uh, that's where we go a whooping and a whooping. Everything, <laughs> Everything in sight. And, oh, you spare the women? And pardon me for this line. I'm going to read it straight out. No, we rape the shit out of them. So, cue the number six. Yeah. Uh, we have the sheriff killed. And so now... Time for a town meeting. Yeah, I, I will actually say that's because you, you see the the rampage and everything. Yeah. You see the number six happen. You don't see all of it, but you see the, the basic <laughs> not the, the town naughty being, bits of the number six. Yeah, you, you see the town being uh, attacked by these people. The way that that is sort of narrated by the choir inside the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> there a little choir song. Yeah. yeah. So it's like so, so you, hear, you hear this, shit. you hear this there of like yeah, then all at once the trouble started. And it's like it's this great song to cover the thing, and then all of a sudden you realise they're still going. They cut to the church. It's like these people are singing about what just happened. Right now, yeah, like, very close to the space balls. Yeah. When will then be now? Yeah. <laughs> very, very meta. Spaceballs, the movie. <laughs> Yeah, so we have the sheriff killed. So we have a uh, meeting with everyone in town who just happens to be named Johnson, yes. <laughs> apparently. This, this is a very, very Johnson-heavy town. And we have the preacher who says, it's time, time to act. I'm leaving. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lovely line. I love that. I'm leaving. And, uh, and then, so then we have an impassioned speech, from, whether you understand it or not. From by Gabby Johnson. Gabby Johnson, you were correct, <laughs> sir. And uh, yeah, I could try and do it, but I'm actually not going to because I won't That's do okay. justice. <laughs> Why don't you just tell me what the gist of that speech was, if you recall? <laughs> well, I hope, the, I hope I don't put you on the spot. No, no. The the, uh, the the gist of it is that he's been living in this town for so long that nobody is going to come and ruin his biscuit cutter. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the main thing I got from that speech, and. Lo- lovely follow-up line from this uh, 20 seconds of absolute gibberish of, now who could argue with that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall, Was I don't know if that was Howard Johnson or um, Olsen or Samuel, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I, know. Even though I just saw the film on Wednesday, yeah. uh, this being fr- yeah, that, uh, well, that, Friday. That's but. the problem, I, I think there's two Howards. So yeah. <laughs> so but anyway, he says, not only was that authentic frontier yeah, gibberish. <laughs> Oh, it's just terrific. But so anyway, the point of that is that they want a new sheriff. Yeah. And now we cut to the introduction of Mel Brooks's role. Yes. Uh, as Governor, I hope I pronounced this correct, Lepetamane. 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 Yes. And uh, he's just having a little, I don't know, business meeting, what yes. have you. His, with the boys. With the boys and his lovely gal pal. Yes. <laughs> Hello, boys. <laughs> Does a little motorboat for yes. you. Not yes, familiar, but... Work, uh, work, 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 work. Hello, boys. Yes. We have the introduction of the paddle balls, the ah, yes. famous paddle balls. Yes, this thing is warped. Uh, before <laughs> that, <laughs> you like that line. I, ah, my yes. favorite line reading is, these things are defective. Yes. And uh, then Lamar takes his and yes. expertly hits yes. <laughs> it. Yes. Right as usual, sir. <laughs> right as usual. Yes. And we get Get the town cry of harumph. Yes. Harumph. Uh, yes. <laughs> you must do something. Harumph, harumph. <laughs> I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. <laughs> Give that yeah. governor harumph. I'll, I'll have to admit, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure, other than the introduction of governor, what entirely the point of that scene was. I, 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 I think I, it's just to have Mel Brooks. Just to have Mel Brooks being Mel Brooks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then one of my also favorite lines, uh, I have about 40, oh, but... Yeah. Uh, Hand these out to the boys in lieu of pay. Hand out the paddle balls. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> hand them out. Hand them out. Hand yeah, these right. out to the boys. Yeah, what, what was it? Isn't it like a hundred thousand acres? What will it cost? A box of these. <laughs> Very good actual riff on what actually happened back then. Eh? Pretty much, yeah. So then we get uh, the people have not left Rockridge. 
So now the new idea is, let's get a sheriff that is so offensive that people will just want to leave. Yeah, because Eddie <laughs> Lamar is underneath Le Pedermain, and so he's just organized this whole thing to happen, and then the villagers have written to the governor, <laughs> and so it's completely ruined his original plan. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, so then, of course, yes, someone... Someone who will completely offend. So who is so offensive in <laughs> yeah. 1874? Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, it really matters. Like, but wherever would I find such a man? Why not? Am I asking you instead <laughs> of the audience? Oh, and I did gloss over at the beginning one of my favorite outside characters, Boris the Executioner. Oh yes, I couldn't possibly fit him in before <laughs> Wednesday. I'm book solid <laughs> with the lisp and uh, just perfect. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of uh, Igor a little. Yeah, you know, it's just. But, very, you know, could play that role. I could see Marty Feldman, you know, oh yeah. playing. And, and of course, every time you go out to him, it's just a what? Like, isn't it the first time he's hanging a man in a wheelchair, like still in his wheelchair, and then a man on a horse, and then it's going to be the slave part that uh, yeah. caused Taggart a little bit of trouble earlier on. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. <laughs> the quicksand. I'm so sorry I didn't get to the quicksand yeah. scene, but yeah, I got to keep moving. But yeah. yeah. So anyway, if you didn't catch on, the offensive person is, is a black man. <laughs> is the black slave Bart? Bart. Yes. And uh, so we have the town of Rockridge eagerly anticipating the new sheriff's arrival, yeah. all waiting, looking off into the distance. Yeah. And we have Gabby Johnson with the spyglass, and he sees him coming and can't quite make him out. And yeah. the sheriff is near. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There he's coming, so strike up the band. And as he gets closer, it is revealed, oh, just exactly the complexion of this man. And we have a... A very uh, inappropriate nowadays line. Yeah. Uh, um, even then, inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the sheriff is a N-word. Yeah. However, in this <laughs> Covered case... Covered up by a gong, yeah. <laughs> or a ding, whatever, the bell. The bell. And and it's like, what did he say? The sheriff is <laughs> near! <laughs> no, <laughs> God, son, the sheriff Can't is you a see that ding. man is a... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And but anyway, to cover this real quick, I did do a slur count. You know these DVDs have expletive counts and stuff. Yeah. Real quick, just to run this down: twelve N words, <laughs> two not so nice words to call Asian people. Yeah. And one not so nice word to call a homosexual. Oh, okay. <laughs> just for I, any of you keeping score at home. I will say that twelve N words seems a little low based on my recollection. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I'm not correcting the gongs where no, he did not get no, the word yeah. out or you couldn't hear the word. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say it seems a little low. However, I do know most of them come at the beginning. Of but the us film. watching that in modern times, yeah. two seems like a lot. You know, uh, I, I actually um, I got the chance to see this film uh, several weeks ago on a particular channel. Can't remember it off the top of my head. But I was watching it and waiting, and it got to that scene, and I was like, okay, all right. Like, what are they going to do to dub this out? How's this going? Mm-hmm. And then they they played it. And then I found out this channel actually exists to play things uncut with no advert. And I was like, number one, how does this exist in America? Number two, how did they allow this film to be shown, <laughs> even though it's uncut? Right. I mean, yeah, th- yeah. this one particular word. Yeah. So, And this is now, obviously. Now we're really offended by it. Back oh, then, okay. they would have been offended. I, but no. I, yeah, I, yeah. I think I'll touch on that a little bit. But I just yeah. want to back up a little bit. I did gloss over the scene where uh, the idea is introduced to Mel Brooks about <laughs> this idea, and he pulls Bart yeah. to the side with him. Yeah. At, you know, supposedly it's, it's to be Lamar, you yeah. know, and he's whispering, can't you see that man as a, and as he looks up says, nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah takes him back. And then of course does verbatim the same, same thing, thing with ending with, can't you see that man as a nah. nah. It starts right there. <laughs> Like, I, I love. I do like that Mel Brooks himself didn't say the line. Yeah, like I, I do. Didn't yeah. Go I don't that. think. Yeah, he could have probably gotten away with it. Yeah, he, he might have gotten away with it, but I'm glad he didn't. I'm exactly. Glad he went so back. anyway, the town greets the new sheriff. Obviously, not the biggest fan. Yeah, uh, not so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what, uh, I believe they say the line, the governor is the leading asshole in the state. Yes. <laughs> and I believe it's like everyone starts pulling their gun as he's reading, yes, I'm going to be the sheriff. And the, uh, So now we uh, get to the prison. We introduce uh, Gene Wilder. He introduces himself. He says, my name is Jim. Yeah. But most people call me... 
Jim. <laughs> and so we have Cleavon Little, of course, the actor, and Gene Wilder sparring as one of the, the best scenes uh, in the film, in my mind, uh, where they play chess, where it comes up that Gene Wilder is actually the famous Waco kid. Retired because everyone would challenge him, and he got tired of challenging. Yeah. Uh, so they, they played chess, and uh, he's asked to prove it. Yeah. And, you know, he grabs the chess piece. You know, and uh, said so the thing that made him retired was a six-year-old challenged him, and uh, he just had it. He dropped his guns and he walked away. The little bastard just shot me in the ass. ass. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the end of the Waco kid. I, I, I love that line when I first heard it. I was like, you know, you expect it to end with just walking away. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so we go a little into the sheriff's backstory the wagon train yeah. as a young child and we get the second Mel Brooks character yeah. <laughs> the Indian chief yeah. we're, we're not not speaking I think a word of uh, he speaks in Yiddish actually yeah, yeah. and I did have uh, written down what it was but not important yeah. what he says in Yiddish <laughs> and then uh, we get to the famous bean scene the much oh, controversial yes. <laughs> uh, you know discussed uh, yeah you know, this is the controversial scene ladies and gentlemen it is ridiculous <laughs> that this is a lot of people you know a lot of people had a problem with flatulence yeah and uh, according to Mel Brooks had not been recorded in a film to that point really which I don't I did not fact check this yeah. I'm just reading the IMDB facts now, I, I mean I can believe <laughs> It, I guess it's a sensitive, you know, yeah. a sensitive type thing. You don't, but because uh, there's like loads of films where you don't even realize it. You never see people going to the toilet until like fairly recently. <laughs> it just yeah. wasn't put well, in film. He said, you know, it's uh, like cowboys on. He's like on the, their diet of meat and beans. Is like that is what had what had to have happened. Yeah. <laughs> so of course it's. In Mel Brooks style, gone way over the top, yeah, and just as <laughs> to where they can barely breathe. <laughs> the only important information really to take from that is that they need to kill the sheriff. Yeah. How are we going to do this? We'll give him Mongo, <laughs> a gargantuan beast, dim-witted man, yeah, known as Mongo. And uh, meanwhile, the sheriff has the idea. Well, he just needs to establish himself in this town, and he'll get the respect of the townspeople. And uh, he quickly gets a up yours N word <laughs> from the sweetest old lady in yeah. the world. Yeah, the, the, the very first person he meets stepping out the door. Uh, and Gene Wilder, uh, uh, Jim assures him, you know, these are just common people, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, morons. <laughs> <laughs> so the sheriff has to deal with this Mongo in perfect cartoon style. Yeah. <laughs> Hands him a little box that goes boom <laughs> yes. and we get the and black the image black yeah. soot covered mongo because he does it dressed as a guy giving a candy gram which leads to the brilliant line later it's like how'd you do it oh yeah yeah getting the bomb wasn't a problem coming up with a candy gram invented the candy, inventing the candy gram <laughs> so then uh, obviously that didn't work so now we have another scene with lamar and taggart uh, Lamar in his bath, yeah. <laughs> concerned about not finding his froggy. <laughs> my froggy. My froggy. Where's my froggy? There's froggy. Daddy loves froggy. Froggy like daddy? Anyway, brilliant line by Taggart. You use your tongue prettier than a $20 whore. <laughs> so they come up with the idea, well, let's send a woman to do the job. Cue Madeline Caron. Ah, yes. Aforementioned uh, in uh, Young Frankenstein. She plays Lily von Stoop. <laughs> it is Stoop or Stoop? Stoop? Uh, I don't know. Well, it's S-H-T-U-P-P. Stoop. Okay. Stoop. However. However you want to pronounce it. Exactly. Right? And uh, she does this cabaret performance. Brilliant song called I'm Tired. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe that's the name. That's the gist of it. Yeah. But I'm so very tired. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, uh, the whole idea is for the sheriff to meet with her, which he is coerced yeah. into doing, and uh, Lily seduces the sheriff, and we get another Mel Brooks-style love yeah. scene, and which I read, found out the only line cut out of the film, she supposedly you know, wants to hear if it's true what they say about men of his race uh, with their appendages. Wait a minute. So did you guys not have that version then? No, that's in there. Oh, okay. That's right. in there. I'm getting to the line that oh, was cut okay. out. okay. I, I was a bit confused there. <laughs> and <laughs> what was cut out is you hear her, and he says, you're sucking on my elbow. <laughs> 
<laughs> supposedly the only line cut out that because uh, Mel Brooks did have final cut for yeah. Blazing Saddles, and he did uh, apparently cut that out. I I guess I can see why he would cut that out, <laughs> but still, again, in a film where you exactly. have several other words, yeah, whatever. So anyway, yeah. So <laughs> then we get to the scene with uh, Bart, Jim, and Mongo. <laughs> Mongo's wonderful philosophical line. Oh, Mongo only pawn in Game of Life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get a lot of exposition here by Mongo. Reveals why Lamar is interested in uh, the rock in Rockridge. Yeah. Has to do with the choo choo, yes. <laughs> as he so eloquently puts it. Ah, the choo choo. <laughs> and so they all go to the railroad to investigate. Then we have the scene with Taggart, Lamar, and Lily. New plan again. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to contract out uh, some outlaws, some lowlifes, some criminals, yeah. and they're just going to destroy the town. Yeah. We're going to pay them. They're going to destroy the town. And uh, so you have a wonderful scene with the queue of yeah. you know the of all the outlaws, yeah. what are they, Nazis, <laughs> <laughs> Mexican yes. bandits. Yes. So yeah, and then Bart says, "Give me twenty-four hours to come up with a plan to save the town." No! <laughs> By the townspeople. And he says, you would for Randall Scott, that, the other sheriff. Okay, 24 hours. <laughs> so, Randall yeah, yeah. Scott. <laughs> so yeah, I think I jumped ahead there. Then we have the uh, line of the outlaws. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the classic scene where... Two people, or one person, beats up a guard, or yeah. someone dressed as someone, and then steals their yeah. wardrobe. Obviously, in this in this case, <laughs> it is them. Ku Klux Klan. Sorry yes. to cut you off. No, that's fine. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yes. So yes, Bart, the black man of, yes, the, of, of the duo, so is now dressed in a Ku Klux Klan. And the classical line to get their attention, where are the white women at? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then we have another wonderful um, reference. We have the Stinking Badges reference uh, yes. to the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yes. One of my favorite westerns badges. of all time. <laughs> and the other great line, we'll head them off at the past. Lamar says, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that cliche. <laughs> I do like, they clearly not really thought that much about what they were going to say when they got up to the desk. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, what was that? Stampeding cattle? That's not very much. Through the Vatican? <laughs> you mentioned rape twice. I love rape. Wow. All right. So anyway, Bart's idea and Jim's idea is they're going to build an exact replica of Rockridge to be destroyed, and they're going to accomplish this in one night. Yep. <laughs> of one course. Night. And do we have the strength to build in one night, or are we just jerking off? <laughs> Great line by the preacher. Right. And of course, the... Uh, I don't know. Were you going to touch on where they were going to get the manpower for that? So, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I was not, but yeah. Well, I was okay. just going to say, Bart ends up going to get the other slaves that he was with to bring them in. So, of when they get there, the town people are saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so they're like, you know, all they want is a little bit of land to call their own. And then they end up saying, all right, we'll give some land to the N-words and the C-H-words. <laughs> But we don't want the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> I did, yeah. I thought of uh, yeah, mentioning that. but And so, of course, it's like, yeah, really? The Irish you have a problem mm-hmm. with? Mm-hmm. But anyway. <laughs> then we cue the movie magic, of course. And it's uh, very, you know, clearly an exact movie set yeah. <laughs> of the town. And uh, they have a great plan to slow down the raiders. One of yeah. my other favorite scenes with a toll road yeah. in the open plane. Yeah, exactly. Just the one booth with the one. And, ah, someone go back and get a shitload of dimes. <laughs> or nickels. Or, I think it might be nickels. Yeah. Yeah. They, oh, no, they, they say dimes. They say dimes. Do they dimes? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Probably because so, dimes is funnier so than nickels. So one horse at a time <laughs> they go through the toll. And it's, it's just perfect Mel yeah. Brooks for me. Just completely absurd. Yeah. You know, but it works. Well, and the thing is, of course, they're doing that because they need time to build replicas of the people. Oh, and, yes. of course, so when they get there, you're like, okay, how are they going to sell this? They basically have wooden cardboard statuettes of people with one waving hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so, hey. yes. so anyway, the idea is they're going to have, they're going to draw in the bad guys and they're going to set off this explo- explosion yeah. and <laughs> problem solved. What do you know? <laughs> explosion doesn't work. Nah. And Jim has to save the day with... Hey, with a pistol which has a probably range of 20 meter, twenty yards yeah. or so, <laughs> shoots at about half a mile, of course, sets off the explosion, which traps the bad guys, yeah. and they move in to finish off the job. The other thing I was going to say about that scene is 
Finally, the comeuppance of the somewhat annoying vicar, who you like at the beginning, <laughs> and, he's just, and then by this point, he just interrupts with like, oh, Lord, stuff, and he's finally beaten up by the town people because he interrupts. <laughs> and a uh, great little moment with uh, Gabby Johnson fighting people with his breath. Breathes oh, yeah. <laughs> on the man and falls right over. And so then we just start to go completely Mel Brooks insane, yeah. and... Uh, the shot pulls out to show the studio a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Completely breaking down the fourth wall. Oh, yes. you know? And, uh, and then, then we show Dom DeLuise. He's making yeah. the movie within the movie. The yeah. song and dance movie. <laughs> and uh, the fight pours out into that soundstage. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, it seems to turn into, rather than a fight between the original fight, it's now Mel Brooks versus everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> when you have uh, Hedley Lamar punching Dom DeLuise. Yeah. <laughs> and just all hell breaks loose. Uh, the dancers and the cowboys going at it. Oh, um, just say, uh, Slim Pickens, I believe, not Hedley Lamar. He comes later. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 Slim Pickens, I believe. Yeah, yeah. sorry. That's fine. Thank you just, for the correction. Yeah, just wanted to correct <laughs> you now rather department. than... Rather than the uh, listeners. Yes, thank you. I'm getting, yes, trying to move through this. And then, so the fight pours out into the commissary, the cafeteria, as yeah. it were. Uh, you see Hitler <laughs> in there. Yeah, who has been lost played. after the bunker scene, I believe. <laughs> yes. And other ne'er-do-wells and all actors, you know. And then they all just pour out into the streets, yeah. <laughs> uh, out of the Warner Brothers lot, into uh, you know the streets of Los Angeles, and uh, I'm assuming Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. Yes, I don't see us. And so then we cut to uh, it is Lamar, correct, going yeah. to see the yeah. film yeah. Blazing film. Saddles. <laughs> uh, yeah, another meta in film of someone in the film seeing the film, like Spaceballs. As we said, yes. they see Spaceballs the movie. And, and if you look closely, there is a movie poster in that scene. That still says Black Bart, the original title of the film. So I, I look for that the that next then, time. Yeah. yeah, and uh, so now we have the showdown with Sheriff Bart and Lamar. Bart shoots Lamar, and uh, Bart and Jim go into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Shoots him in a not-so-great spot. Yeah. <laughs> and they were outside the movie, so then they go in to watch the movie. And, and then, once again, they're inside the film. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, inside the film, movie Bart, I have, says, yeah. gives a very moving speech. Which, the response is, bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you caught me. <laughs> All right. So Bart rides off, saying, keep the faith, and happens to run along into Jim, and he's asked where he's going. He says, nowhere special. Jim says, I've always wanted to go there. <laughs> One of my other probably top five lines in the film. Although I probably have 20 top five oh, yeah. <laughs> lines. So Jim and Bart ride off into the sunset. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> so they're right they off, ride some of the way. Some of the way. Just... Hop off horseback and get into a town car. <laughs> In 1874, supposedly. Yeah. And the car rides off yeah. into the distance. Yeah, and they even met by, like, a chauffeur who watches them in. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I just wanted to give a few little side notes real quick. The screenplay uh, was uh, written by Brooks, uh, Norman Steinberg, Andrew Bergman, and, uh, of course, Richard Pryor, who was slated to play Bart, but was deemed too controversial for the role, given his stand-up and his, his views, stuff, his yeah. very, you know. So he was still able to, uh, you know, collaborate on the screenplay. And the tagline was, never give a saga an even break. <laughs> I wanted to throw that in there. And uh, I mentioned it was orig- originally called Black Bart, and even Tex-Ex before that, uh, a la Malcolm X. Right. And I mentioned the fourth wall breaking, a, a true trademark yeah, that, that is Mel one Brooks. of the great things I like. Yeah, I, I, I love the turns to camera. And just briefly, I want to mention, even in uh, 1974, this film did have trouble getting released. Right. Because th- people watch this movie now and like, oh, how could you get a movie made like that? It wasn't easy even then. Yeah. And even the Warner Brothers executives said no. They went to a screening of the film. Not one laughed. And Mel Brooks was in the screening and thought, well, we're done. This is done. This is not going to I, I can't and, imagine what that would have felt like. And, yeah, just to sit through that whole film that you've worked you know, so hard on and not one person laughed. And my theory is, uh, my research didn't show it, but you have these stuffy studio executives probably too afraid that their peers will think, oh, I find this funny. Well, so, it was either that or like mm-hmm. maybe they had just so much weighing on it. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not watching this as general mm-hmm. public. I'm watching this as... 
I'm holding the reputation mm-hmm. of this studio on my well, shoulders. Mel Brooks did not give up. Quickly arranged for a screening for the Warner Brothers employees. Ah. Huge success. <laughs> yeah. Laughing the whole time. And so then was able to get released. One thing I was going to say, but kind of skipping through it. My mother went to see this film with a friend and was almost thrown out of the cinema because she had, that day, gotten her hair done like Hedy Lamarr. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so yeah. every time that mm-hmm. came up, they, yeah. they, they had they had several ushers coming up, just like, okay, keep it quiet. <laughs> so, and anyway, briefly just wanted to point out that this film did come out in 1974, and that was only six years after Martin Luther King, Luther King Jr. had been assassinated. So this oh, was... Really? It was only that? Yeah, oh, so wow. this was not, you know, this was still very sensitive. Yeah. It still <laughs> is to this day, but not to that extent. But uh, it, I just thought that bared mentioning that it was an audacious yeah. undertaking for Mel Brooks and all the collaborators to get this film made. Another thing I'll say about the use of the N-words in the film, I remember listening to a commentary on it and Mel Brooks says, just so you know, every single use of the N-word in this film is used in context in the way it was actually used back then. Mm-hmm. He never just threw it in. Yeah. He would, you see, as the town people get used to Barton, they... With the exception of, I think, once after he earns their respect, they don't use that mm-hmm. word again. So it's uh, yes. it's very much, he was using it in context, and that probably helped, I think, yeah. with getting this film out. Because if he had just thrown them in, yeah, maybe it would have been. Yeah, it's just everywhere. Yeah. But we can't speak to that too accurately, you know, yeah. with too much sensitivity. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the uh, it stands alone as just a perfect comedy in my mind. But also, the larger point for me is that Mel Brooks uses humor as a way to just show us the complete ridiculousness of stereotypes and oh, prejudices yeah. we have. And that's really kind of the message, other than just spoofing yeah. a Western, yeah. you know, making all these Western jokes, and really kind of the message, just by complete absurdity, Yeah, you can't help but see that these people are idiots Yeah, <laughs> for having these stereotypes and these views. Yeah, and everyone that does follow the stereotype that way is, in one way or another... An idiot. <laughs> and I mean, the, the people that are really doing it are complete and utter idiots. So yeah, it's uh, very well done. And I, I do think that comedy is one of the few things you can use to get points like that across and not be completely brought down by political correctness. I mean, obviously, nowadays you would be hurled in some. Yeah. But you could still use comedy to get the point across rather than sit down and have a debate about it. Mm -hmm. Because, for instance, that's more boring. I think more people are more likely to watch Blazing Saddles than a debate about racial stereotypes. So, (laughs) not saying that a debate about racial stereotypes (laughs) would be boring or not interesting... It's just that more people are likely to see a comedy than that. Yeah, ranked, I believe, number six on the American Film Institute's uh, comedies of all time. And I would say it's my top movies of all time vary, I would yeah. say, my top ten list, or my top five, you know, just depending on my mood, depending, you know, whatever. Yeah. I would say Blazing Saddles never, ever leaves my top five. Their eyes, it mm. gets shifted around. Other yeah. movies get shifted around from one to four to whatever. Blazing Saddles, I think, is always in my top five. Like you said with Young Frankenstein, I can always watch that. Even if I don't get to watch it all the way through, I'll scene hop, yeah. whatever, you know. And it's, like I said, it's greater than the vast majority of anything that's going to be on television or any other movie I could pop in <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah. So I would rather choose that, even though I've seen it a hundred times. It's one of the few films that I think, because there's so many different sort of quote-heavy, scene-heavy bits in it, that you can just watch the odd bit here mm-hmm. and there, and that will be as good mm-hmm. as just watching the whole oh, film. Right. And now I laugh before the line, because I know yeah. the line is coming. <laughs> so I'm laughing through the line reading. Or, of course, but, you do the thing like that my wife absolutely hates, despite the fact that she reciting? does Reciting? Yeah. Oh, despite yes. the fact that she does it during The Grinch, she hates it. If I start quoting. Great to do alone, not with a partner, because yeah. it tends to, like you said, piss yeah, them off. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe if you're watching it with other people who are similarly inclined. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so with someone who just wants to sit down and watch the film, eh, not so much. <laughs> so, right, so anyway, uh, get to my rating here real quick. I would rate Blazing Saddles from 0 to minus 20, like I said. I would go minus 1. 
Alright, okay. Minus one. There is not a whole lot wrong with that film. <laughs> uh, I, I was actually expecting a uh, 0.5. Really? Uh, not one. I'm trying to be a little stingier yeah. with my ratings <laughs> now. Oh, yeah, fair enough. There's yeah. Yeah, a lot of films out there, a lot to be rated. Yeah. I'd say minus one. That is only one point off perfection. Yeah, so. true. Well, I would go. Keep in mind, you have to go lower than 0.5 yeah, 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 yeah. as you rated your favorite no, 0.5. I, I, I've just been trying to think. Um, I'll probably go minus... It's a real tough one. It's between minus 2 and minus 1.5. Oh. Just because like, you know, I still really like the film. It's just a replay value for me isn't as big. It's, it is a I'll, bit of a time capsule. Yeah, I'll probably go minus 1.5 just because I think I watched it early enough in my life that yeah. it's got the nostalgia thing. Exactly. It, <laughs> so, yeah, it has that place in your heart. You're I, always going to love it. You're I, I think if I came it. to it now, I would still find it funny, mm-hmm. but maybe I wouldn't be gung-ho about it. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with minus 1.5 for this one. Just because, yeah, Fair still, <laughs> still a very good Mel Brooks film. One of the best. <laughs> And yeah, perhaps we'll get back to him someday. I'm sure we cover. <laughs> Whether or not direct, directly or not, I'm sure he will come up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else? You'd I like? think that's all for us today. All right. Probably. I'm sure the people listening are. Thank you for everyone yeah. who stuck with us. <laughs> yes. For hearing about films that are uh, how many years old? 1974. Uh, you so, do the math. <laughs> 74. That would 40, be 38 years. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to read this spill off fairly quick as I remember. Uh, I forgot to do it. Info, yes. <laughs> yes. If you want to follow us on Facebook, you can do that at facebook.com slash blokebusters. On Twitter, it's even easier. It's just at blokebusters. We do have a blogspot website if you're so inclined blokebusterspodcast.blogspot.com we have an email if you want to email us any comments feedback just, or just spam any expletives <laughs> anything really you know, e- even if you're just going to send us some emails saying like you got this one fact wrong I hate you you bastards criticism <laughs> is okay please yeah, prefer but, not to threaten our lives that's just yeah, annoying that, 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 that's the line if you wouldn't mind and no. it's blokebuster podcast so no s at the end of blokebusters for that one at gmail.com and I also just wanted to say I haven't said this on here yet but I really should have thank you thank you thank you to retrodude666 on YouTube for letting us use his version of the 8-bit Ghostbusters as our theme tune because I, I, I got out to him and he got back to me straight away saying, yeah, sure, you can use it. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll go ahead and cover this. Uh, if it. there are any uh, artistically inclined people out there who would like to uh, draw us a logo, we, as of yet, do not have artwork. So you can submit them uh, to any of the uh, ways any that Paul the- mentioned. <laughs> yeah. So the... Twitter or an email or, you know, whatever you got. Yeah, I mean, um, I would say that anything that plays on the Ghostbusters thing... Uh, something movie-related. Anything movie-related. doesn't necessarily have to be Ghostbusters. It can be your own yeah. take, but that's obviously uh, one yeah. way to go. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, ju- just saying that based on the theme tune. Yes, you know? uh-huh. <laughs> yes exactly. Something film yeah. incorporated. I mean, if you wanted to, you could also go with uh, the blockbuster. Take <laughs> yeah. some sort of twist on that. Some interesting font, maybe you know, tossing this out yeah. there, the Star Wars font, or maybe uh, yeah. you know what, some you know, yeah. identifiable. I mean, or, yeah. uh, Unfortunately, neither of us are so inclined. So, or we would be doing that ourselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we, we've gone so far. We've sort of hit. I our got the ideas, of... but not the means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're so inclined, uh, we'd appreciate it. I think that's all we have for today. All right. Well, I have been Paul. And I am Ben Bryan. You am Ben Bryan. I am and still will be tomorrow. All right. (laughs) Well, I hope I'm still Paul tomorrow. All right. All right. Thanks for listening.